On this episode of The Nosebleeds, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals that wrapped up on Thursday night. And we're also going to talk about Shohei Otani hitting for the cycle. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Women's World Cup because I don't know if you know this, but they're smashing right now. All this and more coming up on The Nosebleeds. Life on the edge, I'm dangling my feet. I tried to pay attention, but attention paid me. Haters can't see me, nosebleed seeks Hello everyone and welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds because we know what we're talking about, but we sit up in the Nosebleeds because we broke, okay? And of course it's me, a girl B, and as always, it's your boy. Yo, what up y'all? It's Kush. And NBA Finals just wrapped up Thursday night. Woo! Yeah, that was... Crazy. That game six was honestly the best game of the series. Definitely. Without a doubt. The whole time. Like, I mean, the Raptors took off at first, like, in, like, the first five minutes. And then Colton State came back, went on a run, and then it was just, like, back and forth the whole time. By, I think, by, like, two, one, two points. And then there were some runs in the middle. But what a game. Yeah, there was 18 lead changes, nine ties, and no team, either team wasn't up by more than nine points. So that, that kind of just tells you how close the game was and how neck and neck. And it was a back and forth scoring effort. Like Steph Curry would hit a three, Kawhi would hit a three, then Van Vliet would hit a three, then Klay Thompson would hit a three. And it was just back and forth, back and forth. It was a typical NBA Finals game that every viewer loved to watch. Yeah, I think, I mean, it was about time too. Because like you said, it was the best game of the series. And I mean, can we talk about the elephant in the room, Klay Thompson? Klay Thompson last night was balling out of his mind. He had 30 points, shooting 8 for 12, and he was 10 for 10 from the free throw. Uh, uh, sorry, from the free throw line, and he was good. he was about to reach like a personal best. He he was just like he just looked in the zone. There was times where he was like coming up court and pulling up like Steph Curry, like no hesitation. Mm-hmm. Literally, like maybe five to six seconds into the shot clock and he would just pull up that's how confident he was and that's just how like he was just on fire last night and it all ended up in a bad night for him because he went up for the dunk with two minutes left in the third quarter danny green came and tried to block him from the back and clay thompson landed and came out after that he tore his acl yeah and you could tell the way he landed at first when i first saw it i thought he kind of rolled or twisted his ankle and i was like oh no but after they showed the replay from like seven angles and we had to rewatch it a few times um you could tell he had tore he had he had messed up something in his knee and then it ended up being that he tore his acl so if you guys don't know i've myself have torn my acl in my left knee twice uh, one time playing Ouch. football in high school, and then last year, April 2018, I tore it playing in adult rec league. And watching that injury of Clay Thompson reminded me so much of my injury. The way he landed, he landed on a hyperextended left knee or left leg, and his knee kind of just gave out and buckled. Ooh, and it reminded me a lot of my injury, and I was just like cringing and grimacing. It was just, it was bad. Like I, my knee was hurting for him. And I could tell it was definitely his ACL because of the way it twisted. And then the way when I tore my ACL, it kind of felt like my knee shifted out of place and shifted back in. Uh, and then when I saw Clay gosh. Thompson, he was talking to his team doctor. He was kind of saying that's the same thing that happened. And I was like, shit, I think yeah. he just tore his ACL. And especially with everything that happened with Kevin Durant already, we'll go over that. But it was just not the finals and not the way I wanted 
the Warriors to lose or their quote unquote dynasty to end. Oh, definitely. And you could tell just by like everybody. I mean, I, I watched the game at a bar and everybody just like went silent. Like, oh, shit. Like whether you they were Raptors fans or Warriors fans, everybody knew like, damn, like for somebody to go out like that. In the finals, especially everything, I swear to God, like everything that's happened to the Warriors this season, the drama of the beginning and then KD and then now Klay Thompson, now I'm like, dang, like basketball gods just do not want the Warriors to succeed this year. Yeah, it was but sad. It's crazy, but because despite all that, they still had a very close game with the Raptors up until, you know, the very end. But, I mean, poor Clay. Yeah. Because, because let me ask you a question. I'm, I'm not really sure. But if you tear your ACL once, is it easier to re-injure it? See, it, it depends on the surgery that you get. So there's multiple ways you can repair your ACL through surgery. It's whether you do cadaver ligament, which is basically you take a dead person's ligament and you put it in you. Oh, my God. And Or you take a ligament from your own body, whether that's hamstring, whether that's your patellar tendon. Uh, and the retear rate for taking a cadaver ligament is higher but knowing Clay Thompson and the medical staff that he's going to be around. He's going to get the it, best. Yeah, he's yeah. going to get the best of the best. And that's why when you look at guys like Derrick Rose, who's torn their meniscus, torn their ACL, like, multiple times, and it's just like, dang, dude, like, your main objective after tearing an ACL is to strengthen all the muscles around it, whether mm. that's your quad, your hamstring, your calves, your soleus, all those muscles around it that you just need to strengthen because that's basically what holds your knee together. But then again, it's anything like, landing on a hyperextended knee and your knee just giving out because all the weight that's coming out because he was going like full speed on a fast break yeah. for a dunk and landed like that so it was just very unfortunate the way it happened and then not to mention that clay thompson he went to the locker room after he got injured but realized that if he went to the locker room he can't because he, he had two free throws he got fouled on the play as well it wasn't a malicious foul by danny green and whatsoever but definitely not he had to shoot the free throws, and if he didn't shoot the free throws, he'd be out for the rest of the game. And in his mind, he didn't think it was an ACL injury, so he's like, okay, maybe I'll be able to come back and play. Yeah, it was also all that adrenaline running through his body. Anytime you get injured and you have that adrenaline, you that kind of, like, help. it helps you. Like, you don't feel hurt or anything. For sure. Because he walked out to the sun. That, I was so confused when that happened. I was like, wait, so what's going on here? And then when he after he started walking, like, literally as soon as he shot the second um, shot, then he started, like, limping. He couldn't even, like, run. Yeah, so Again. so before that even happened, he was walking to the locker room and the broadcast went to a commercial break and then literally it cut in the middle of the commercial break and came back to the game because Clay Thompson was walking back on mm. out onto the court. And I swear I've never heard a louder crowd through a TV than insane. when Clay Thompson walked back out through that tunnel. It was absolutely insane. Yeah. And he came back and drilled the two free throws and then he walked back down court and Steve Kerr was trying to help him foul. But so back back to when I tore it, I tore it in the rec league and the adrenaline is so high and because that you don't feel any pain in your knee for the first like 10 minutes. And then after that, your knee just swells up and you feel the pain. So it was adrenaline that allowed him to play and allowed him to shoot the free throws. But after that, it was smart of Steve Kerr to take him out and just call it a day. And that that's why you saw him after the game walking out of the stadium with crutches oh, yeah. to get an MRI. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly sucks. So now let's kind of shift this a little bit. I mean, this is what we've seen in the past. D Rose is a good example. I remember when when KD got hurt, um, people were comparing like kind of him to like K, um, D Rose. Kind of what happened D, after D Rose had those injuries, just not as good. Because it's hard to battle back from injuries like that, especially KD. Like he's he's gonna be. I think he's 
in a worse situation probably than Clay Thompson. And he, I mean, he's only a year older though. So they're around the same age. And, and then the same thing with Clay Thompson. Like even when Kobe Bryant got hurt, like he just wasn't, you know, like that same Kobe Bryant, like as he was when he was younger. Cause now that they're older, your body doesn't heal as fast. and it doesn't heal as well as if you're younger. So, right. But I think the good thing for Clay Thompson is he's not known to be an above the rim player. He's not known, like, you look at Kobe, obviously his athleticism was a big part of his game. Derrick Rose was probably the biggest part of his game, how explosive he was, taking guys off the dribble, crossing over, taking it to the rack with his layups and all that stuff. Klay Thompson isn't known for that. He's known as a shooter, so I think in this sense, it, it won't be as detrimental to him, but obviously an ACL isn't something to take lightly Mm -hmm. but he's a shooter and he's known to be a spot-up shooter but he does run around a lot so I think building that the the durability and stamina in your body and your knees is going to be important but I don't think he doesn't take it to the rack that much so I don't think it'll affect his career as much and especially in today's day and age ACL injuries is like the worst of most common injuries and I think doctors especially the treatment that NBA players are going to get that I, he, he'll come back 100 percent yeah i think um i mean like i mean tragic what happened but i think that because this happened like last game of the year he has a lot of time before next season yeah to they're, get saying, ready. they're saying he won't be back until like february or march of next season wow yeah so that's like that's about ha- a little more than halfway through the season and then getting back into the swing of things by the mm-hmm. time playoff comes around in April, so... Yeah. And then, so, I mean, Warriors still, after everything that they've been through this season, it was amazing the way they were still able to come out and play like that. And the whole, in the beginning of the game, they had, I think they were giving out towels that says for KD because they were winning, trying to win for KD. When they came out explosive, I was like, I texted Kush, I was like, Warriors are going to win. Like, before Clay Thompson got hurt, I was like, they're going to win. I could feel it. Because just because the way they were playing and they, at the Oracle, it was They had, a, like, one of the most perfect first halves that offensively that the Warriors could ask for. Iguodala was scoring. Like, mm. he was he was looking like prime 76ers Iguodala. Steph Curry was, you know. Steph Curry. Steph, <laughs> Steph Curry. Like, he was... He wasn't really denting the scoreboard in a way, but just the way he attracts defenders and everything mm. like that. And then Klay Thompson was just going off. Yeah. And then DeMarcus Cousins was actually playing really well. He didn't put up the numbers, but he was doing a great job acting as another body for the Raptors to having the box out and rebounding and defense purposes. And then Draymond Green was, I think, the most underrated player for the Warriors. He had... 18 rebounds 12 assists so i think the warriors just had an amazing first half but I, like when brandy texted me i was like i don't see them holding and this is even before the clay thompson injury i'm just like i don't see them holding it up they but were though they they were and i think if clay thompson didn't get injured they they most likely would have won that game just mm-hmm. with how much momentum the warriors had before that injury and i think that injury was so demoralizing to the fans and the players that like before he got injured they were like on a run and the whole oracle arena was behind them and yeah you know playing an oracle like that loud of fans can get to you and nick nurse had to call multiple timeouts to try to quiet down the crowd to try to compose his players but i think that injury just messed up everything Mm -hmm. but i i both teams had to have a perfect game and i told uh, and i kind of was saying this that i the Warriors had to have more of a perfect game than the Raptors did, especially given the KD injury. Yeah. Um, and they they were doing that to a certain extent, and then that whole Clay Thompson. Yeah, injury. that just yeah, like it just deflated everyone. I mean, the Warriors still like they fought as hard as they could. They really fought till the end. 
They were dropping like flies, literally. And so the fact that they were able to still come out like that, I think was great, especially last game in the Oracle. Kind of sad that mm -hmm. like that that happened, but I, they played their ass off. So, and then so now let's talk about. Well, let's talk about the Raptors. Yeah, though, exactly. Let's, let's talk about the their winners. first their first championship title in franchise history. Yeah, and this is the first Canadian major title in the past 26 years. Canada needed this. Yeah, so all 36 million Canadians were happy. They were on cloud nine, loving it. And finals MVP went to Kawhi Leonard. What? No way. I think Kyle Lowry, you know, especially after the last Hon game, last shot. Honestly, but Kyle Lowry... I am not going to lie. I was a doubter of Kyle Lowry and what he does in the playoffs. I think he was, in my books, the worst all-star playoff player, arguably, in NBA history. And for him to step up in the second round and finals the way he did, I'm sorry, Kyle Lowry. You, <laughs> you proved me wrong, and hats off to you. Yeah, I mean, he had his moments, but I mean, I think this goes for the whole Raptors team. Like, nobody expected them to do this well. They literally flipped the switch. Yeah. Like, they, they Drake probably told them, made them listen to the song, I just flipped the switch. They flipped the switch. Speaking of Drake, I, is the Drake curse dead now? I is guess. Toronto won. Yeah. Did you see him doing post-game interviews? Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I thought he was going to give Jurassic Park a free concert. <laughs> like, Raptors <laughs> just won. Jurassic Park, you guys get a free concert from Drake. Yeah. He did drop two songs, though. Yeah, he did. I haven't heard him yet. I got to listen to him. I haven't either. Um, But yeah, Ka uh, Kawhi Leonard, he didn't have the greatest of games. He only had 22 points. But what he's done this entire playoff run for the Raptors and what he's done this final series for the Raptors, like, they would, they would definitely not be in the finals if it wasn't for him. Oh, yeah. And maybe even, well, I don't know if I would say playoffs, really, but finals for sure. They definitely wouldn't be there. Um, so Kawhi Leonard deservingly finals MVP. This is the second finals MVP and he's the first NBA player to win finals MVPs in both conferences. He won it with the Spurs in twenty fourteen and he won it with the Raptors. He's honestly just an animal. Like just I'm just watching him like Kawhi Leonard, like Jesus Christ. And he's, he's so talented. He's the most humble guy. Too. Yeah, That's he doesn't thing. even like to talk. It, at even all. It, like it was so funny the way like he was celebrating after they won. And then he was like, oh, shoot, I can't be celebrating this. Something just like clicked in his head because I, I honestly think there's a little part in me that thinks Kawhi's a robot. The way his <laughs> mannerisms are, I just think he's a robot. So it was really funny that. He was like celebrating. He's like arms were in there. He's yelling, and then literally for like five seconds, and then a switch turned off in his head. He's like, "Oh shoot, I gotta be humble. I gotta be like," and it was kind of like, "Oh shit, was that like your robotic instincts kind mm -hmm. of a thing?" Who do you think are the most underrated players on the Raptors from last game, from Game Six? Well, I think you gotta go with Fred VanVleet. Right. Obviously, twenty-two points, and he. If it wasn't for Fred VanVleet, they would not win that game because the Raptors' offense was just stalling in that fourth quarter, and it looked bad. Like, okay, without Klay Thompson, are the Warriors still going to get this done? Because the Raptors just looked like absolute crap in the fourth quarter, except Fred VanVleet. They were gassed, for sure. And something just, like, clicked in Van, uh, Fred VanVleet, and he was just straining three after three after three and basically putting the Raptors on his back. And Fred VanVleet, I think this series is was arguably the second best player on that roster. And what's crazy to me is that this guy literally in the beginning of the season. Did, so 
he got signed by the Raptors last season in 2018. He was a finalist for six man of the year. Then came in this season and he kind of like cooled cooled down from like that six man talk. He wasn't playing as well as he was expected to. And even through the first two rounds of the NBA finals and then all of a sudden his son was born. And I don't know what like that had to do if it made him have a purpose for playing basketball. And all of a sudden he just started bawling. He started bawling out after his son was born. And it showed in the NBA Finals for sure, taking over that fourth quarter to help the Raptors win the championship. That's such a beautiful story. It really is. Now, I mean, let's talk about the Raptors franchise, their organization. How did they become NBA champions? Well, I think one guy that does not get enough credit is Masai Ujiri, the mastermind behind this championship Raptors team. First of all, trading for Kawhi Leonard and like DeMar DeRozan, you have one of the most loved players in Toronto Raptors history and all he's done for the Toronto Raptors. And he, with the fans loving him and just how loyal DeMar DeRozan has been to the Raptors and flipping him for Kawhi. I mean, a lot of like Raptors fans were like, yo, what the hell? But obviously they knew they were getting Kawhi. So, I mean, it's, it's all business at the end of the day. Exactly. But the fact that he flipped... Kawhi, uh, DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. I think the Danny Green thing was a huge part of the deal that not a lot of people talk about. Like, look at what he's done. He's a, one of the best 3 and D players in the league. Like, and he had six three-pointers in what game four that was to help them win. Yeah. And then also that trade for Marcus Gasol for Jonas Valanciunas that, like, Jonas Valanciunas ended up balling out in Memphis and like he's up for a, one of the bigger contracts for Memphis but bringing in a veteran player and a former defense player of the year in Marcus Saul was amazing not only for his defense but his shooting the way he was spreading the floor against the Warriors and also against uh and his passing ability cuz he would draw defenders in and he would just pass it out uh for a big man which is impressive and then Last but not least was, I think, firing Dwayne Casey. Firing Dwayne Casey was obviously won the coach of the year, and Masai Ujiri was like, okay, uh, things aren't working out in the playoffs. We can't get past LeBron in the second round. Like, I'm going to fire my head coach who just won coach of the year. And that's a really big move, and to most people that didn't make sense. But at the end of the day, all that matters is winning championships at the end of the day. Nobody wants to just make it to playoffs and be a decent team the rest mm-hmm. of their lives. You have to get to that next level. So if something's not working, you got to shift things around. So you, something's got to give. Yeah, so that was just shows how how ballsy of a guy Ujiri is. And dedicated to have to owning a winning franchise. And telling you all that, like, what he's done for the Raptors franchise, the Wizards are preparing to offer Ujiri a deal that could approach $10 million annually for to run the operations for the Washington Wizards, and it could deliver him an opportunity for ownership equity. So that just kind of goes to show how much Masai Ujiri has done. And honestly, I think he just gets a championship, and I think he moves on to the next one to try to rebuild another team with the Washington Wizards, which is going to be one of the harder teams to rebuild given John Wall's atrocious contract and then John Wall's probably going to be out next season as well with a Achilles injury. Yeah. And then Bradley Beal. So. so, I mean, now talking about the Warriors dynasty, before we get into all that and talking about whether it's over or not, KD doesn't want to be on the Warriors anymore. He was supposed to, he was 
opting for free agency after this season. Now with his injury, all this coming to light, how does this affect his future? Now I think that he's not going to get the big money that he wants, and he might he might not even get picked up by a team. I think he, given Kevin Durant, he is a once in a generation player like a LeBron James. He is. I've I've said this. I think when it's all sent, and this was before his injury happened because we don't know how the this effect of the injury. But I said before his injury happened, I said he if he stays on track the way he's playing he will go down as one of the best offensive threats in NBA history. So, given his various skill set. So, with that being said, I think that any team would be willing to offer him a max contract because they, they've seen what he does, and I don't think you can pass up on that. Even though he's going to be out yeah, most he, likely most so, of the next so season. So, th- th- there's a couple options that he has. He can either sign a two-year contract with a team like if he decides to leave the Warriors he can right. sign a two-year deal with the Clippers the Knicks the Nets the the Lakers whoever he decides to go to um and he'd be making that I think he'd be making about 38 million for that yeah. first season to sit on the bench but that I think it's worth it given that you're gonna get Kevin Durant the next season that's why I would say two-year deal and not a one-and-one because if it's a one-and-one he'd play it here he'd sit out the first season then he has a player option that he can just opt out to I think that's that's not a smart move. So I think it'd be yeah. a two-year deal. And then his last, absolutely last resort, if, like you said, if no team wants to pick him he up. He would stay on the Warriors for the last year. He would stay on the Warriors with a player. So he has a player option, which he can opt into, which is $31.5 million. I don't think he's going to do that because I think either the Warriors are going to offer him a two-year deal or a max deal or one of these teams like the Knicks, Clippers, Nets, something like Lakers, they're going to offer him a max, a four-year contract, max deal. Because I just think, because like Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant isn't above the rim. He's not an above-the-rim player. He's known for his shooting and his length, shooting over defenders, and his crossovers and all that stuff. So, But do you think that, I mean, I, I agree that he'd sign like a two-year contract, but I mean, he's also getting a little older. But do you think that he, if, he was, if he wasn't injured, there was no injuries, he would have gotten so much more? For sure, I, I I still think with this injury, you have to run the risk of giving Kevin Durant a max contract because I think maybe he won't maybe he won't come back to his MVP caliber level level that he was playing at, but I think he'd still come back at the All Star level. Right, I'm not saying like nobody's gonna offer it to him, but I'm saying that this injury and him going out and playing for the playing for the Warriors in Game Five. It, he knew his future and his career was kind of on the line. Like, they kind of shifted everything. So, by him going out in Game 5 and playing the way he did just because for his team and everything, that was, you know, that was amazing That's so in much, itself. That's so much respect right. for, for him doing that, first 100%. But, I mean, it does affect his future right. in a big way. Because he, he's not make, he can't make as much money as he would because if he would have never gotten injured, if he would have waited to side out the whole season, he would have gotten a much bigger contract. But but that's what I'm saying. I honestly think that he still will get a big contract because he's Kevin Durant. Which teams do you think would be able to offer him that contract? Honestly, I think the Knicks are a team that is willing to put all their chips in the pot. Yeah, they can afford it. Well, the Clippers, can can, the Clippers can afford him too, but obviously the Clippers, I think they'll be trying to go after Kawhi Leonard. Right. After, well, whether Kawhi decides to leave Toronto or not, this offseason after they won the finals is a decision that we'll look forward to. But Kevin Durant's also someone in their eyes. But I think the Clippers have, they. I mean, they made the eighth seed. They mm-hmm. can go after other players, and they're obviously live in L.A. 
New York kind of has the same effect, but New York has been dying for a superstar to be on their mm-hmm. team. And also with the with um Kevin Durant, it's like like I said, he's going to be out for a season. Mm-hmm. But you have to run the risk of him if he comes back as the MVP caliber player like he was w- before. You just never like to to think about like oh shit we passed that up on the second arguably the best player in the NBA right now Kevin Durant right. we passed up on that and I don't think and I think the Knicks are willing to run that risk yeah I I would agree I think the Knicks if anything um I can see the Clippers wanting to but I think the Clippers they have a they, I mean their or their team as a whole they're getting a lot better and their next step is to get farther and deeper into the playoffs right so. I think that they'll be more, you know, ben- obviously they'll be more beneficial with Kawhi because he's healthy, um, but or any other player like or playmaker that is healthy that could be a good that could be good in the rotation for the Clippers because they need to focus on getting the next step. They can't. I mean, like you said, Kevin Durant. Yeah, they shouldn't pass up on a player like him, but they they need to figure out what's next. The Knicks, they 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 can afford to buy some time. Right. Literally. And. I think going back to your whole argument about will he come back the same player, it's also up for grabs because an Achilles injury is not easy at all coming back. Like some notable players that had the injury and didn't pan out was obviously Kobe Bryant. He was 35 and then, oh, KD will be 32 by the end of next season, which he'll come. I I have a, he's going to miss the rest of the season next, next year. I think so. So let's say he does miss that. He'll come back at 32 years old. So, Kobe Bryant was 35, never came back the same. Never, no. We all know that. That was, and oh, it, yeah, and it, was ended sad. Up, it ended up with him retiring. Mm-hmm. And then we have Rudy Gay, who was an all star caliber player on the Grizzlies and on the Kings, and he ended up not, pa- like, he's still a great role player. So this could be like a good and bad, like, comeback, but he just was never his explosive self right. that he once was. And then obviously Chauncey Billups. He was 35 years old when it happened. He was averaging, he was still hooping. He was like averaging 15 points a game. Came back, wasn't the same, only averaged six points a game. But you do also have the good players like Demarcus Cousins, who had 14 games with 17 or more points this season, and he only played 30 games. So it's like, I think also with Demarcus Cousins, you don't know how his, how he's going to play because obviously his role in the Warriors team wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you have Dominique Wilkins, who came back at the age of 32 and still made two All Star appearances, averaging about 30 points a game. So, yeah. I mean, there there's some good stories and there's also some bad stories it, coming back from an Achilles injury. Right. I mean, and also I think like with the technology, it's increasing every day, and with a player like KD, with the money he has, and with the organization of the Warriors, like they'll be able to like give him the best treatment. So, I mean, we hope the best for him. I hope he does come back. MVP caliber. Same. I think. I, mean, I, think I don't think anybody do. would not want that. I don't think I've seen an injury like Kevin Durant's that is going to shake up the entire NBA. Yeah. Like, like, like you said, we don't know what's going to happen this off season. Like, we like is this, if LeBron decides or if the Lakers decide to get Anthony Davis, oh, is yeah. it possible for LeBron and Anthony Davis? Is is, it, is LeBron going to get his fourth ring because Kevin Durant's out, Clay Thompson out, which means. The Warriors are going to be very susceptible to to losing. Let's talk about that. The Warriors dynasty. Is it over? <sighs> now, I think that like, it depends on what happens this offseason. Like we said, KD doesn't come. But we all saw what happens when KD's not playing. They're not the, they're not the, the same Warriors. They're still a very, very good team. But they're not the Warriors. They're not the dominant Warriors that, you know, they're going to show up to your arena and they're going to they're going to win. Now, 
and then now with Clay Thompson. I I hate to say it, but I think it's, it's over. It's over. And R I P. Mean, I mean, everybody wants the Warriors dynasty to be over because I did honestly before the final started. I was like, okay, come on, Raptors. Like, I want you to win. I didn't think they were gonna come out game one like they did. But then honestly, after all the injuries, everything that happened, exactly. I'm like, damn. Like, like I, I feel bad now. <laughs> out of out of all the ways for the dynasties to fall, this is like the last way I wanted it to fall with right. injuries due to injury. And I like, just wanted them career, to lose wholesomely and career changing injuries like. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not the way I wanted. And I'm a Clippers fan, so I absolutely despise the Warriors. I, w- I hate them with my, like, I just hate them, hate them. Every basketball, where, in the area we live at, like, everybody was all of a sudden a Warriors fan. So it was just really annoying. Right. And so that was a big part of it for me. And so I just wanted them to lose. Kind of like how the Patriots, I Tom Brady is probably the best football best quarterback to walk on the face of the planet but I still hate him and I want him to lose because, you know, you're just over the winning, you know? Right. But, no, I think the Warriors dynasty has come to an end tragically, a tragic end. It's like one of Shakespeare's tragedies. I feel like that's what it is. Like it's, it was just sad. Like I feel bad to say that the dynasty's over, but it is, but it's also, it's done. It, it is so, what it is. So I, I do think it's going to be over just because we don't know how the players, even let's say they retain all their players. I don't know how they're going to come back from injuries. Right. That's a huge question mark. But let's just say this next season Honestly, the way the Raptors defended Steph Curry after Klay Thompson went down, they were hounding him. Right, and that's just what's going to be. And, like, even just coming across half court, like, Steph Curry was getting hounded, and on pick-and-roll situations, he was getting double, triple team, and he was forcing other players to beat him, which Iguodala was playing playing great in Game 6, but outside of that, like, nobody played well. And I have a feeling next season it's just going to be that throughout the entire regular season. Yeah, Steph Curry's just going to be locked up the whole time. Exactly. And it's like... I think next year for the Warriors, it'll definitely be a rebuilding year because they kind of have to. I think they still could make the playoffs, but I think they'll be one of the lower seeds, whether that's an eight or seven seed. Because mm-hmm. Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. Right. And they have Draymond Green. But it, I, I, I it's just, just going to be really hard for them. It's just they're not going to be the same Warriors. Exactly. The dynasty is hashtag... Over. Right. Ovi over. Oh my god. That's a good one. That's a good one. Ovi over. Boom. I just thought of that too. Okay, so now when everybody thought the Lakers were out of talks with getting Anthony Davis, they're back. So their Lakers are I guess the Lakers and Anthony Davis are really close to making a deal, I guess supposedly. I, I think a deal will be done within the next twenty four to forty eight hours. I agree. I think by the end of this weekend. It will be. For sure. Yeah. Okay, so who is in the Lakers package to trade for Anthony Davis? Not the whole team, like previously. <laughs> but so they're going to give up their fourth pick in the draft, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. And supposedly league sources say that the Pelicans also want Kyle Kuzma. Right. And the Lakers don't want to give up Kyle Kuzma. Right. Well, the Lakers have the upper hand now because they offered Kyle Kuzma uh, and, like, and Brandon Ingram and Lonzo, and I guess their pick that they didn't know was going to be the fourth pick mm-hmm. back then, and the Pelicans straight up said no because they were waiting for an offer from the Boston Celtics in the offseason because the Celtic, I mean, the Pelicans wanted Jason Tatum really badly, and I think the so the Celt it's between the Lakers and Celtics. Those are the two teams that are going to trade for him. I'm pretty sure. Right, and I think. The Celtics, I don't I would think they're more reluctant because of everything that's happening with Kyrie Irving. We'll touch on that in a bit. But let's just say that Kyrie Irving isn't going to come back to the Celtics. 
So with that being said, I think they wanted to trade Anthony Davis, even though Anthony Davis came out and said that he's not re-signing with the Celtics. So if you got trade for me, I'm going to be a one-year rental kind of a thing. Yeah, no, and, he's, yeah. And that was kind of okay with them because they wanted Anthony Davis more for the fact of retaining Kyrie Irving mm-hmm. to try to be like, hey, you know, we're building a team That's around savage. you. Like, you can, you can trade, you can um, take me, but I'm going to leave, bounce after a year. And that, that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and savage. That's, that's having the upper hand in the deal. And I think that's why, especially knowing that Kyrie's not coming back, they're a lot more reluctant because they don't want to give up their future in Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown mm-hmm. or Terry Rozier, whatever, however it pans out, they don't want to give up their future. So I think that's why the Lakers will get a deal done soon. I think so. What is what the package is going to be? I don't know whether Kuzma is going to be involved or not involved, but I I think I think what's I think what kind of sucks is that they're willing to trade Lonzo Ball over Kuzma. I mean, Lonzo Ball is a better he's a better player. Well, I but think Lonzo Ball, like we saw what happened when he's not on the Lakers, so. Lonzo Ball's whole thing is being healthy. Right. And it sucks because Lonzo Ball, I still have a lot of faith in Lonzo Ball. I, I do still too. think he has potential. Especially after what we saw when he's not on the Lakers. Like, he he helps them win. Like he, right. In very various ways, whether whether he's shooting or not. Right. So, he's like a he, great he, asset to the Lakers organization, especially the way their rotation is. Exactly. And I think that's why. Or I, But I think the way that the Lakers are trying to build their team is obviously around LeBron James. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why getting rid of Co- or Lonzo Ball isn't as big as a loss as losing Kuzma because Kuzma is a spot-up shooter who can get right. you a bucket. Since LeBron was on the team, Kyle Kuzma, he did get increasingly better throughout the year. Right. Like, and I think I think he was more of a better, like, teammate. That, no, I'm not saying, like, what happened on and off the court. I'm talking about a better asset to oh, help you know, like a LeBron. You're friends with him? Like, you know what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we homies. No, but what is better for LeBron James is yeah. a guy like Kyle Kuzma, who honestly, in my opinion, is one of the best off-ball offensive players in the league, the way he cuts to the basket, the way he catches defenders sleeping. So I think that's great for LeBron James because LeBron James is going down in history as one of the best passers in the NBA. I don't care what anybody says. He's going down as one of the best players in the NBA. Well, yeah, that that's of course, but I think his passing is very underrated that not a yeah. lot of people credit him for. His basketball IQ is just off the charts. Exactly, but I think like you saw when LeBron James went down, who started going off? Brandon Ingram, right? right. But when they were on the court together, they couldn't coexist. That's true. So I think that's no, why... Yeah, I think Brandon Ingram, I mean, I like Brandon Ingram as a player, but I think it's smart to like trade him out because I think he could also succeed somewhere else exactly not I would, with LeBron because some players we've seen it they just can't play with LeBron exactly and I, that exactly what you just said I would love to see Brandon Ingram on another team so he can flourish in mm-hmm. his, on his own team he's gonna he's gonna be really good next few years we're gonna see him take off exactly and all he needs to do is just add maybe like 10 20 pounds to his frame and honestly he I think, has gotten thicker a little thicker so little thickums <laughs> thick with two C's yes pause um, but yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens with yeah. the Pelicans. I think so. The Pelicans they want to get a deal done before the draft, obviously June mm-hmm. June twentieth. So and obviously they have the first pick, so Zion's gonna go be a Pelican. Yeah. So now you got to kind of think of the future, it's like not who a bad you're. Team, not, so. Now you got to think of who you're surrounding Zion with. Zion. So let's think about it. Zion Ingram Lonzo. And Drew Holiday, yeah, and Matt. Drew, Drew Holiday's still there. So I, honestly, and it, and let's just say they trade Kuzma. Like that's a. I don't. I honestly don't think that. It, I don't. It's kind of tough. I really don't think the Lakers are going to trade Kuzma. I don't think so either. But what I mean, they're going to reach to a deal, 
But I think maybe they'll throw in maybe I'm another first round pick because maybe. The, the Lakers will be a playoff team obviously if they get Anthony Davis and LeBron in. Yeah. Given that they're and they if they stay, stay healthy. healthy, yeah, if they yeah. stay healthy. So I think they wouldn't be hesitant to give another first round pick, knowing that they're going to be a playoff team. True. Or maybe like a Josh Hart that they throw into the package oh, instead of in instead of Kyle Kuzma. So Please, I mean, I hope they throw Josh Hart in there because. He was just a giant disappointment, <laughs> like a giant disappointment. He's, he's too busy playing Fortnite. I guess. That's all it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, I think trade will be done very, very soon. Stay tuned. We'll keep you guys updated on our social media accounts. Um, so back to Kyrie Irving. Let's talk about Kyrie Irving. He just left his agent, and he signed with Rock Nation Sports, which is basically Jay-Z's sports agency company. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z had ownership of or part he was a part owner of the brooklyn nets in, in 2013 he sold his ownership or whatever he's still a big fan of the brooklyn nets and now there's a lot of rumors swir- swirling around kyrie irving saying that he's going to be a net yeah he's and yeah he he basically said that he's only pretty much interested in being a brooklyn net right with him and d'angelo russell, russell. See, and the thing is, I think this is a, ma- a big thing that we're starting to see in the NBA today. Like, you see the Chris Paul, James Harden. Everybody was wondering, will they coexist? Because they're both ball-dominant players. Mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving, will they coexist? They're both ball-dominant players, but they can both get you They can both get you a bucket. Right. And I think D'Angelo Russell having a mentor like Kyrie Irving, yeah, that's he's so, deadly. Yeah, because he's so young. Kyrie Irving, he's going to be done what? You think Kyrie you think? Irving? I think is what twenty seven. I believe. Yeah. So I think. Well, I mean, he has a while. Twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah. So Kyrie Irving still has a long time, and knock on wood, he doesn't have any career ending injuries. Right. And then, but for a player like D'Angelo Russell, so young and just ex- explosive, he's an explosive player. I love yeah. watching him play. I mean, having Kyrie Irving as his mentor is going to be very dangerous for the Nets. I think it's the Nets are and can we just talk about the Nets and how this whole franchise has turned around. So oh my like, god, yeah. Big hats off to the Nets. Last year they were a joke. Well, not not even last year, like the last like I want to say 7 years they were right, a joke. Right, but they just flipped it around. Exactly. And I think with the whole and how funny would this be to be a storyline is that obviously the Celtics screwed him over, right? Trading yeah. them Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett and they got like four first round picks that ended up being like Jason Tatum ended up being like Jalen Brown. So it was like ended up being those big top three picks in the draft. And there the Nets are with no first round pick, just sitting, sulking. But then they ended up trading for D'Angelo Russell. Spencer Dinwiddie panned out. Karis LeVert panned out. And now the Brooklyn Nets, if Kyrie comes to the Nets, how funny would it be that the Nets are now stealing from the Celtics, getting Kyrie Irving from the Celtics? I think you said this a while ago. It's like a slap in the face. Exactly. It is. And I think that would absolutely be hilarious. And shout out to the Brooklyn Nets yeah. once again because they have they were honestly in the dog days. Yeah. Like they were in – it was just bad. They yeah. were laughing stock of not only just the NBA but in sports in general. They were the laughing stock like the Cleveland Browns. So – Or like – yeah. Or like – the Phoenix well the Phoenix Suns are still the Phoenix Suns are starting still, are still starting to go on that path yeah. but I think they'll start rebuilding in the draft they have I, I think they have a high ceiling but so big shout out to the Brooklyn Nets once again okay so last couple things on the NBA before we move on the Cavs signed the first NCAA women's assistant coach yeah uh, she was previously the head coach on the NCAA but 
She is now an assistant coach for the Cavs. Amazing. Her record was 179-89. That's, for, pre- that's yeah. pretty badass. Yeah, she was a hell of a coach. At In eight Cal seasons, Berkeley. yeah. Kyle Berkeley, uh, her name's Lindsay Gottlieb, and now she's going to be the assistant coach for John Belin, who was just hired for the Cavaliers head coach position. So, yeah, and then she took the Golden Bears to seven NCAA tournaments and a Final Four in eight seasons. Yeah, that's that's, ins- that's insanely impressive. Yeah, that's that's an amazing resume to yeah. have. Um, girl power, right? And as hell. So she just signed a four-year deal with the Cavs to be the assistant coach. And honestly, I love this. The fact that they're bringing in more women coach. Yes, period. Because, I mean, the argument's always been, well, women never play, women never this. Um, Do you know how many, like, even, like, analysts, coaches, didn't play professionally? Most of them. Right. And, and I think this is just such a revolutionizing movement for women and in sports and coaching. But my biggest question is... She was a women's coach. How is she going to handle the men? Because men obviously have testosterone. Their egos different from women in basketball, in my opinion. And I, I just don't know how she's going to transfer that. Obviously, she's L- a professional. so Listen, there's this thing called equality. She's going to treat her women players the same way she's going to treat the men. And at the end of the day, they're players. Yes, all these emotions or whatever. So if the men can't handle their emotions around their female coach, that's their business. But I think she's widely respected throughout the NCAA. She's going, and then if she's assistant coach, I'm pretty sure they didn't hire her to like disrespect her. Like the Cavs head coach, they didn't hire her for her to be disrespected. So there really shouldn't be different ways to handle men from women at the end of the day. The only thing that's different is the game and like how that kind of shifts over that I could see. But as far as like, you know, like emotions and how the players react, they're professional athletes. So if they can't, I get that, but you, you've seen some of the NBA players in the league and they obviously, like I said, if the men can't handle their emotions, that's, that's on them literally. Cause that's just going to hurt them right, at the end I of get, the day. I get that. But how just... the turns have tabled. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, but the only thing that I think that's going to be different is the way the pace of the game. Exactly, that's yeah, the only thing because I mean, at the end of the day, equality aside, men are different than women physically, and there's just things that men can do that women can't do, right? And vice versa. So, right. So I, I mean, obviously, I don't think the Cavs or um, John Beelan would have brought her on the staff if they didn't have confidence in her mm-hmm. in her coaching abilities, whether it's men or women. Right. So we'll we'll see how that pans out, but just it so might be hard for her. But I mean, if she's a badass, which she is, I mean, her record alone and the way she carries herself, I think that she's not going to have a problem. Because I mean, as a, I mean, as a woman, if you're constantly surrounded by men in your industry and in your place of work, whatever you do, you have to kind of you can't you have to kind of hold yourself at a higher standard. There's no room to mess up or anything like that because the end of the day, we're going to get torn apart more than, like, if I say something wrong, you say something wrong, they're not really going to care if you say something wrong. But if I say, like, one little thing wrong or I get one, like, fact wrong or whatever, even if I say the wrong there then or spell the wrong there, I'm going to get, like, it handed to me because people are looking for women to mess up. I, I could say it's also vice versa, too, the way the women are. Stephen A. Smith, let's talk about it. 
Well, he's been wrong so many times. People still love him. If he was a woman, he would have his career would have ended a long time ago. Well, Stephen A. Smith, people still give him so much shit, but it's the way he says stuff. I I think that just makes him so marketable. Oh well, duh. Yeah, he but he's like the highest paid. Yeah, broadcaster in history, but. So I I don't think it's necessarily the way he says things wrong, and I think it's just how marketable and how much of an influence he is, whether it's social media, whether it's on TV or whatever. Anyways. But anyways, back to our original topic of her. I think this is going to be revolutionizing for women because now whether she succeeds, NBA may be looking to bring on more women's head coaches mm-hmm. into the league. And if she doesn't succeed, then they can kind of be like, oh, maybe women head coaches in the NCAA can't transfer over or can't, um, you know, transition to an NBA coach. Because the pace is different. So I think however she does in the league is going to determine whether they bring on more NCAA women's coaches or not. Definitely. And then imagine the pressure she's under. Right. Like I said, you have to perform. She can't mess up. She can't do anything wrong. But the good thing about for her, the good thing for her is that she's one of the Cleveland Cavaliers. She's not going to like a San Antonio Spurs or a Denver Nuggets like the Cleveland Cavaliers are in the fucking dog shit right now. So, yeah. like, they don't have high expectations when it comes to this season. So, I think she she has a year or two to, you know, get familiar with the NBA. And then then if Cavs – because Cavs are, what, in a 50-something 50 50 year drought of yeah. NBA championship? And then LeBron came back. Like, if LeBron was still on the Cavaliers right now and she came in, obviously she would have a lot more pressure. Yeah. But I think given that the Cavs aren't re- – are, kind of on the lower end of the nba it won't be as it's still be i think pressure. that's honestly one also another reason she got hired i think if lebron was still on the Cavs, she probably she might have not gotten hired right so i mean that changes the whole dynamic of the decision that was made but um girl i'm rooting for you yeah we are all rooting for mm-hmm. you because this is such as like you said it's just a large trend of women and like i think the generation we're growing up in now for me especially like just watching women on TV or in sports, it's really big. When I was a little girl watching sports with, like, my dad, there was the only, like, woman on there was, like, Pam Oliver. When I was talking about football, Pam right. Oliver. Like, mm-hmm. Doris Burke, Michelle DeFoya. That was it. Mm-hmm. And then now you see so many more. Like, we have NFL refs. We have one NFL ref who's a female, and, like, she's doing real, she's actually really good. NBA refs are starting to become female, exactly, too. Exactly, yeah. Like, two or three in there. Uh, yeah, I think there's, like, three. But, yeah, see, it's just, it's just really good. I think it also changes, like, the whole dynamic of the sport too, because I mean, sometimes like the way sometimes the way men think, like it's just different from how women think, regardless of the sport. The the IQ and everything might be the same, but it's just a different side, and that's just because of different chemicals we have in our body, obviously. But I think it's also the way, obviously, male female, the way they're respected by players right. and stuff like that, and so that's I think, huge. Yeah, so I think this, the fact that they're bringing on more females to kind of make like it's. To make it not a culture shock anymore. Before, it was obviously a culture shock bringing yeah. in women as referees, as coaches, all that stuff. But I think they're trying to kind of ease in women into the profession. And it's great. Shout out to the NBA for doing that. Because yeah. also, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have two assistant uh, female coaches. So sports is definitely revolutionizing. Definitely. One thing we are sad about, though, is Tony Parker retiring. So, Tony Parker, the Spurs legend. The French legend, finals MVP, Tony Parker, is retiring after 18 seasons. How sad are you to see Tony Parker leaving the NBA? I mean, it's sad because 
I mean, he was such a good player. He was on the Spurs when they were, you know, the, when they had their dynasty. dynasty. Yeah. And so I think I, I saw on Twitter there's a lot of people posting like that picture of when they their last NBA final that he won, and then it's like, oh, this is officially over. And it's like, damn. Yeah. Like it's just. Like, you know, it's like when you see your old play, like a bunch of old players, like every generation, you know, has newer players. And so it's kind of sad, like when you see like the older generation just like not die off. They're obviously not dead, but they're just done. Like that part of that part of the league is just over. Yeah. And like that, it's done. That Spurs dynasty, everyone, basically the big three has retired in Tim Duncan, Mono mm-hmm. Ginobili and Tony Parker. Yeah. So it's kind of sad because I was like, I mean, Popovich is still there. How how long will he be there? That's kind of been. A huge question in the NBA whether he wanted whether he's going to leave soon or not because Pop is getting up there in age and I don't know if he can handle another season but Pop will definitely go down as one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah. So, just some stats for uh, Tony Parker. He was a 28th pick in the 2001 NBA draft. He's from France. Six-time All Star, named to the All NBA Second Team three times. And he was a finals MVP of that 2007 Spurs team. Yeah. And then he announced his retirement in the Undefeated in an interview with them. Mm-hmm. And he said that he just, like, he's, his goal was initially to play 20 seasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he ended with 18. But he's he had told them that he could play another two seasons, but he just didn't want he to. He had anymore. no motivation because he, he wanted, obviously, that championship feeling after right. being on the Spurs for so long, going to the finals so mm-hmm. many times. And then this last season, he ended up joining the Charlotte Hornets. So kind of I think that's what made him want to retire is like he doesn't have that championship mentality anymore. Mm -hmm. He's now just like kind of a mentor role for these younger players. And then a lot of the people who he played with, they're not in the league anymore either. Exactly. So that takes a big factor into it as well. It's like, okay, well, I mean. Like knowing that you're one of the older guys in the league Like it's like, oh, like all these young guys. Yeah, it's cool, whatever. They're good, whatever. But it's like. You know, it's, I, I'm not playing with, like, my people anymore. So it's, like, it's time to go. Right. You know? So I think, um, I mean, hats off to him. He had an amazing career. He's an, he, and one of the most well-respected players around yeah. the league. Like, even when he got. Yeah, San Antonio loved when, him. When they loved went to, When they went to, or sorry, when he got signed to the Charlotte Hornets, they were interviewing Malik Monk, who was one of their younger players. And they were just like, so how does it feel knowing that Tony Parker's going to be a teammate next year? And he was like, wait. Tony Parker's my teammate because he didn't know the news and he was Malik Monk was just ecstatic about it because he was mm-hmm. like Tony Parker's gonna be my teammate that's just how well respected Tony Parker is mm-hmm. so hats off or to a career Tony Parker sad to see you go yeah but glad happy for everything you've done for the NBA yeah and then it's also good that he's just in a place where he could retire that's all it's, I mean that's always better right. it's, it's it sucks when you're get a career ending injury so he was able to choose his time to leave I think that was good. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back right after this quick commercial break to talk some Major League Baseball. Ugh, there's never anything on the radio. I know, they always play the same five songs. Wait, is it six o'clock yet? Oh yeah, it's Throwback Thursday. Turn it on. Throwback Thursdays at 6 p.m. to hear top hits and my favorite songs from the 2000s right here on Titan Radio. Okay, so moving on, we're talking about baseball. Tragic news we found out earlier this week. David Ortiz, Big Poppy, Red Sox legend, was shot 
in the Dominican, leaving a bar Wednesday Wednesday evening. So the gunman came up behind him and then just straight shot him. Luckily, he's alive. So before we even get too into it, he's alive. Boston, literally, as soon as they heard the news, uh, the Red Sox flew out there, a team plane, and they picked him up, brought him back to Boston. And he's under care. He's doing fine. He's going to survive. Thank God. Um, now let's talk about why. Was this a random shooting? Nope. So, it, first of all, this is very, very tragic news. Um, big poppy prayers, thoughts and prayers are with you and your family, uh, hoping for a speedy recovery. But, yeah, it was actually um, basically an attempt to murder. It was it was an assassin. Like, literally, David Ortiz had an assassin out for him. Um, but six out of the seven suspects have been detained, especially the shooter, he was, and the silence were paid about $8,000 to kill David Ortiz. I mean, that's insane how and many I people think could put a price on there's rumors. life. There's rumors that it was like a drug lord in the Dominican Republic. I don't know. Yeah. Not full stories have come out yet about who it was. So they say, in this article I found, they say that um, one of, the, like, I think he's a drug pin in the Dominican. He's called the surgeon and that he has turned himself in. But there's, I think, six uh, six suspects that they have and they know the names of. Mm-hmm. But there's still another, se- there's still a seventh guy that, yeah, you know. So, this, I mean, just, how do you? How, but how let's do you think hate of, on how do you hit on David Ortiz? But let's I mean, think about it. Like, if this was about drugs, what was going on? But maybe it could have been something in David Ortiz's past or with his family or something. Because I could very well see if it was with his family, then they were going to go after Big Poppy because they know who he is. And he's big in America. But it's also, think about it, it's stupid and risky because everybody knows that if you go after an American, America is going to come at you like full force. Especially somebody as respected as David Ortiz. And not even just an American. Like, he is an icon in the Dominican Republic. He's mm-hmm. obviously one of the greatest Dominican players to come out of the Dominican Republic to play baseball. So, yet, like you said, yeah. America is going to come after him, but also the Dominican too. Like he, he's such an icon there yeah. that I mean, the Dominican Republic is corrupt. That honestly, extremely corrupt, and that's I why am, this happened. I am very, very, very surprised the shooter left alive and he wasn't killed. I mean, but who was David Ortiz with? Like he was probably no. Just but I'm chilling. just saying, like, I'm just saying in general because they didn't catch the suspect until like two days after the shooting or something like that. And like if if I'm a Dominican and I'm like a diehard David Ortiz fan, like. And I yeah, just but realized if, that his life was he was in critical condition that um but I'm, I'm not saying that Dominican people are bad but I'm just saying I'm no. surprised he wasn't killed by let's okay, say, well, like another gang or whatever it was. Well think about it. You're some old Joe you're some Joe Schmo in the Dominican. You're a huge big poppy fan. And then one of the biggest drug lords just m- tried to murder him. Would you go murder try to hit him Well, I'm, no, him? that's what I'm not no. saying. That's why I'm not saying like you're a Joe, like a Joe Schmo. I'm just th- saying like maybe another rivalry gang because I'm sure David Ortiz you know he's like I said he's such a big icon like he could have been linked in with some drug cartel or like I'm sure he has homies in the drug cartel right I mean this is all speculation also because we don't know anything and honestly I don't think we're gonna find out I, I highly doubt it I doubt it but also Big shout out to the Boston Red Sox for sending a team plane out mm-hmm. there to bring him back to America so he's in yeah. a safer area. He had one successful surgery in the Dominican Republic and there was like there was literally he was in tears to the doctor saying, I don't want to die. Save me. Save me. Yeah. And then he actually had to have his gallbladder and part of his intestine removed. Like that's what he that's what happened to him in the Dominican. And then he was transferred 
to um, the Massachusetts General Hospital where he is making a recovery, so he's going to be okay. He just actually took his first steps. So he had his second surgery, and he's now in stable condition. He took his first steps Tuesday, but he still remains in the ICU. Yeah. I mean, I think... I mean, the fact that he's okay is huge. I think imagine if, like, something tried... Some, the worst would have happened. Right. And you had all these baseball players come out praying for David Ortiz. You mm-hmm. saw Pedro Martinez. Every on, Spanish player. Yeah. Pedro Martinez was on MLB Network literally, like, on the verge of bawling because that's how sad. Obviously, a former teammate and uh, obviously an analyst with David Ortiz. Like, it, it's tough news for him. Mm-hmm. So, we are thoughts and prayers with your family. I'm, we hope for a speedy recovery for Big Poppy. We want to see him back on the MLB network yeah we want to see him back on the desk we do all right so let's you know brighten up the mood a little bit um mr otani-san first japanese player in history to hit for a cycle yes mr shohei otani hit for the cycle going for four for four um and this dude's only 24 years old otani is a treasure he's a national treasure he must be protected at all costs his ability and his athleticism and his talent is insane and the way he is i just love the way he swings he's so long and you know he's mm-hmm. skinny it's like a slingshot it's like a rubber it's like the rubber band effect where he the way he swings it's just like a long stride and it's just well, like the he dude, it's the like dude is, the dude is six four exactly so his stride and i think and that's what also made him a really good pitcher Pitcher, and I think he's an underrated base runner because of how long his strides are. He's pretty fast. He's faster than people think. Um, he he's is. fast, but he's made some questionable like decisions on the bases. Yeah, well, I think that's that's his younger instincts. Obviously, as he's in the game, this is only his second year in the league, so right. I think as he learns, he progresses, he'll realize what he needs to do as a base runner. But yeah, Shohei Otani, twenty four years old, hitting for the cycle. He joins Jorge Polanco as the only player to hit for the cycle this season. And then last angel to hit for the cycle was Mr. Mike Trout yeah. in 2013. I was going to say years ago. That yeah. was a long time ago. It was ago. 2013. I mean, the cycle on of isn't is probably the rarest thing for a hitter. I think okay, maybe for hitting four home runs. <laughs> well, H- hitting four home runs is obviously I think I think more I mean rare. hitting for the cycle is pretty hard because you right. have to like I mean you got to reach first, second, third and then but you gotta like you only thing. get about four to five at bats a game. You just don't even get that chance. I think you're yeah. better. You have more of a chance hitting four home runs than hitting for the cycle. Just, you think so? Yeah, because you can hit a home run whether whoever's on base or not. Like, what if like like you? Can, it's really hard to hit for the cycle because you just don't really get that opportunity. Sometimes. Like you have to hope for a ball to go into the gap in order to get that double and triple. Right. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, the at bats that he had, he had a three run jack in the first uh, inning, and then he had a double in third inning a triple in the fifth inning and a single in the seventh inning to top it off. Right. So it was honestly, even Mike Trout came out and posted on his Instagram congratulating Shohei Otani. I think the league came out and congratulated Shohei Otani. So oh, yeah, it's going to be a big deal. Like I think especially like in the broadcast for the game today, it's just going to be all Otani. Now think about this. If Otani, when he comes back to pitching, if he has hit for the cycle. I don't want him to come back for pitching. He's, I feel he's going to hurt himself. I don't. I don't think so. And even think even will. if he does, like worst case scenario, if he does, I think he can come. He can be a hitter. 
he can decide to make a career change as as a hitter because right. coming coming back after Tommy John surgery and he's still hitting really well. Obviously right. his average isn't there, but he's still hitting for power. The power. Um, that yeah, he had. but we still have to see how he's pitching too because that's right. going to take him a long time. It's going to take him a longer time to be, come back and be the dominant pitcher he was after Tommy John surgery because it's just hard. I mean, lots of players. Right. But just imagine if he hits for the cycle and then throws like a no hitter as Jesus. a pitcher too. Like oh, that's like it. Like, they're going to have his own little section in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> For sure. Like, honestly, like, Babe Ruth status right there. Yeah. So. Insane. Yeah, but shout out to Otani. It's kind of crazy to think about that. He's the first Japanese player to do it. Because, mm-hmm. like, you think about it. Ichiro, Hideki Matsui. Like, yeah. there's some big name hitters. As well, Japanese players are more known to be pitchers, like right. for their pitching. Say, yeah, that's what I was gonna but say. like you have guys like Ichiro and Hideki Matsui, like two of the best Japanese hitters, and have had a long career in the MLB. Mm-hmm. But it's like they've never hit for the cycle. Ichiro like, is what surprises me the most. I, I, it's I think, hard. Like you have to have that perfect opportunity, right? But Ichiro was fast. Oh yeah, like one of the fastest guys in the league. And he's a beast. To think that he didn't have a cycle, that's kind of crazy. But yeah, shout out to only twenty four years old, Mister Shohei Otani. Now let's talk about a Japanese player who kind of dropped the ball in the freeway series for the Dodgers. Talking about Kenta Maeda <laughs> and the freeway series. Now, the Dodgers, they're still, they're six game. Well, at the time, they were, I believe, eight games. They were eight or nine games in first place in the National League. And they were dominant. They were literally crushing it. They had a seven-game streak, and then they did lose to the Diamondbacks, which also didn't make sense. And then, so... When I found out the Dodgers were coming to Anaheim, I was like, oh, we're there. And it's always fun when the Dodgers play at Anaheim because there's so many Dodger fans mm-hmm. and Angels fans. So it's a, lo- it's a really great atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's the only time Angel Stadium's fun. I'm just kidding. But no. Nah, no, I'm not going to lie because honestly. These it's just the, a lot of fun. These were the two sellout games of the season. This yeah. has like been the most they've had in attendance for, I think, a long time. Yeah, it's also because the Dodgers are doing so well because more people want to go see the Dodgers right. play. Like I want to say it was at least 75% yeah. Dodger fans in, the, in attendance. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But yeah, so we'll talk about the first the first game, which was... Well, so- let's talk about a little bit about the history of this freeway series. So there's been 122 meetings mm-hmm. with the teams. Angels are winning the series 68 to 54. Right. So they kind of took off when it, the, the that time, those five years when they were, when they had won the World Series and everything. Right. That's when they kind of so killed the Dodgers. If you guys bit. don't know, I'm sure you guys can tell by the way we talk about baseball i'm an angels fan and i'm a dodgers fan so and me and brandy were both that game too so we were kind of like going back for like what are we going to talk about on the nosebleeds who's going to be able to talk shit honestly i walked into the series thinking dodgers are going to take it easy i even told my friends they're like oh they're like oh we're gonna they're like oh isn't the game gonna take forever i was like not really the dodgers are gonna like win it's gonna be like seven two seven nothing like it's gonna be easy we're gonna get out of here early and lo and behold, I witnessed the second game. I went, to, I went to the second game. That was the worst performance I have ever witnessed in my entire life watching the Dodgers play. That was the worst I've ever seen them in person. <laughs> Granted, I'm sure they've had worse games, but that was the worst I've ever seen. I was sitting there like, Chris Taylor, why did he even show up to play? He was 0 for 5. 0 for 5. Yeah. He didn't do – I was like, what? Everybody just didn't do anything. I was like, what is going on? They actually did come back. They did come well, back l- towards the end. But Let's talk about first. Okay, game yeah. one. Let's talk about game one, and then we'll go into game two. Yeah, game game one was surprisingly a little better than the set, game two. Game one was great because Ryu was throwing a gem. He pitched six innings and only allowed one run. He was mm-hmm. basically doing Ryu things. Yeah. He's Ryu's been, on fire. He's been one of the best mm-hmm. pitchers, if not the best pitcher in the MLB this season. And if he doesn't get the all-star starting nod for the NL team, I will be 
thoroughly shocked. I think I think he'll get the nod for the National League. Yeah, I could see that. I'd agree with that. I mean, I'm I'm going. I mean, to he's use. he's he's pitching under two ERA. Yeah, and he's what eight and seven and one. Yeah. Like, luckily he got a no decision, but Angels ended up winning five three, and uh, it was three one. Re only allowed one run, and then they bring in Dylan Floro, and who hits a bomb <sighs> off of him? Who hits a bomb off of him? Mike Trout. Mike Trout, the goat. I mean. I mean, I'm not going to expect Mike Trout to not be Mike Trout, but yeah, he he had a two-run jack. And yeah, I mean, because three, of three. because of Ryu's performance, um, I think that's why game one was better for the Dodgers. The Dodgers also still didn't score a lot of runs. I mean, they've been hammering off pitchers lately. Right. They didn't. They've been one of the best offenses in the league and for a long time. But it was also against Griffin Canning, and I think that goes to show how good and also they're not Griffin used is. and like we're not yeah exactly. But he's also a near pitcher. And, right, they're not used to him, and I mean they're on the same league either, so it's like that's kind of ties into it as well. But I mean the free they do a house of freeway series in the beginning of the season, which they had, which is uh, preseason. But so they did the Dodgers did see the Angels. Well, Griffin before. Canning wasn't there, or exactly yeah. that's what I'm saying. So like it's that's why it's a little different because mm-hmm. the Dodgers won that one. But I I think <laughs> we gotta give credit where it's due with Griffin Canning, a oh, young guy he, who's honestly this guy has shown that he's honestly probably the ace of the staff already. Yeah, he's our age. Yeah, he's our age. I think That's, he's our exact age. He might be like a year older. If he's a year younger, I'm gonna cry. The the Angels' younger players are showing great potential, and I think that's which future, is great for the organization. Exactly, the future of this Angel team is great. great. Yeah, and then yeah, but yeah, second game like we kind of touched on before, it was just atrocious. Five runs in the first inning. What? Wait, I, no, first game. I'm I'm not done with the first game. We gotta <sighs> talk about Joe Kelly. Oh my God! The Dodger he... killer in the World Series literally pitched and was just killing the Dodgers in the World Series on the Boston Red Sox. I just Dodgers are like, all right, let's bring him on, and he has played absolutely atrocious for the Dodgers this season. I was gonna say, what the hell? Like he's he's, been lit- he's not. Shit. We thought when I mean as a Dodgers fan when Joe Kelly ERA when right Joe now. yeah when Joe Kelly was on the Dodgers got when he got on the Dodgers everybody's like oh no like oh no. Like go, Joe Kelly just killed killed the Dodgers in the World Series, and now he's on the Dodgers. Oh, dominant this year. I mean, right. the Dodgers have still been dominant because you know we're stacked. But I mean, what? Like Joe Kelly, I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's the weather. Maybe he just doesn't like. Maybe he needs that Boston humidity. Maybe he needs that negative fifty degrees. Like I don't know what it is. Maybe he just hates sunshine. I don't know. Maybe his tan. The maybe sun's just, affecting him. Maybe he needs a green monster behind him. Oh, I don't God, know. God, I just. It's just, it's terrible. Like, he literally, he people say he lost the game for the Dodgers. I'm like, well, yes, but, I mean, the Dodgers also didn't hit. You know, there was a lot. No, he, he definitely lost the game for the Dodgers. Right. In, but, in my opinion, because what happened was in game one, he ended up walking three batters in a row to load the bases. God. And fresh out the pen, fresh out the bullpen, he walked three straight batters. And then ended up that Tovar, the Angels shortstop, hit a little fielder's choice to Max Muncy and Max Muncy's Aaron throw made Russell Martin jump for the ball and Otani scored and then right after that a wild pitch brought in Brian Good. It was like so. that that whole inning was just like watching the that movie The Bad News Bears. It's literally what that was. <laughs> it was just bad. The Dodgers fans for me, I was going crazy. I was sitting with one of my good friends who's a diehard Dodgers fan and You went to game one like, and game two? No, no, no. I was I, at home. I was watching oh. game one at home. Cause this was right after the NBA finals game five. So I was watching I, I changed the channel to that and it was literally right when 
Joe Kelly had loaded the bases and oh, he had given up those those two runs. And I almost just... went to both games too. I'm really glad I did, and I would have probably cried. Yeah, that would have been a heartbreaker for you. What? I just, I mean, it's not like a complete heartbreaker, you know. I mean, you guys still it's have the just, best it's still the free. Yeah, yeah, we're still the Dodgers are still six games ahead. Right. We were, yeah, we were we were still six games ahead, and then we did beat the Cubbies yesterday. Bellinger did his thing. He had two home runs, but. I mean, we can kind of, yeah, let's just talk about game two now because. Yeah. So game two was a game that me and Tell Brandy me why. So I got there a little late. Parked. First thing just started. Walk up to my seat. Five runs are on the board. <laughs> what? Granted, I mean, we actually did sit in the nosebleeds. But if you ever gone to Angel Stadium, you can get a nosebleed seats are like loge level at Dodger Stadium. Or like, they're like the second or third level. Like, there's a really small stadium. So nosebleeds are actually great seats at Angel Stadium. Yeah, they're actually not bad. But. Yeah, it was. I was like, "What?" So the first, the first inning. So was you got to fill me in on what happened because I, I missed the five runs because right. you know I'm trying to get to my seat at the so, top. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, oh my god, like parking, like this is probably the where the Angels because obviously the Angels aren't good. We know that they're not. They may not make. Hopefully, wild card. They make it. Don't know. It's kind of a they'd long have shot to, right like, now. They'd have to like get it together now. Right. Like, it's kind oh, of a yeah. long shot for them, but it it is possible. Mm-hmm. And so basically, when the Dodgers Angels like. It's freeway series, so everyone's going to be at this game. So traffic was bad, parking was bad, everything. So that's why a lot of fans came late. But me, I'm always on time. I'm I'm always late. <laughs> so, uh, so basically, Angels scored five runs in the first inning, and that was it. That was all they did the entire game. But that's all they needed to do. So clearly, basically, Otani San hit a home run. Yeah, a solo jack to center field, like I would say right center. Oh, and I actually I saw that and I heard it. I was like, what? I was yeah. like, Somebody just did something good. I was like, oh, my God, I think it was the Angels. Mr. Otani-san. And then... Yeah, he's a beast. And <laughs> then I, Justin Bohr, he was playing, like, absolute dog shit this season. So they, well, he got dropped down. They just pulled yeah, him back up. they dropped him down. And then this was... His, game two was the first game they brought him back up also because I don't know if Pools is de- dealing with some injuries or whatever because in game one, um, who was it? Cody Bellinger, I think he accidentally stepped on his foot uh, running the first or something. I don't know. Pools what, is just a baby. All right, we're gonna chill. Actually, no, I'm I'm kidding. Pujols made history too. He's the first uh, or sixth player in MLB history to hit 200 home runs on two different teams, which is the Cardinals and the Angels. He just yeah. did that last night, so he's not injured. I take that back. So I guess they were just giving him a day of rest, and they brought up Justin Bohr. First at bat for Justin Bohr, three run home run, and I was like, oh, all right. So and I was looking at my friend and my like. I honestly, I'm not high on Justin Bohr because of what he's done this season so far. And I said, how mad would you be if Justin Bohr hits a three-run home run to my friend? Lies. You did not call that. I swear. Liar. I promise you. Okay, Kush's friend who was with him, I need you to clarify yeah, this. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can clarify. I'll, I'll call him. It's Johnny. My, my homeboy, Johnny. You can call I, I call him up. I'm okay. going to tell him to tweet the nosebleeds that <laughs> literally I called it. I said, what would you do if Justin Bohr hit a three-run jack right now? And it hits it, and I look at him, and I'm laughing at him so hard because I'm like, out of all players, I Justin don't believe Bohr. that. I don't believe you called that, but all right, anyways. you can you can listen. Or right, I mean, you can believe what you want to believe. Will. I will. So yeah, that was basically, and then they got one more run. I, for, yeah. I can't remember how they got one more run. I, I'm kind of like blanking out right now because yeah. those two home runs were so mesmerizing. And then, and but, then, but that was pretty thing. much all the Angels wrote. They only yeah. they only scored five runs. Dodgers ended up. Dodgers tried to come back. They almost came back in the ninth inning. I really thought they were. Me too. I was, I was kind of like on the edge of my seat. I was like, oh shit, are they coming back? But um, I was so mad. Max like, Muncy. Max Muncy balled out for you guys. He had oh, two he home did. runs. Damn near had a third home run. It was like on the Close. warning track. 
I was it was like, on the one track. I was like, no. Honestly, if Max Wentz would have done that, I would have given him a standing ovation. I would have been like, damn, hats off to you. Ballin. Like he, I mean, Max Wentz, yeah, Max Wentz, he's a very underrated player on the Dodgers. Well, I wouldn't say underrated. He just has so much talent around him that it's hard to shine like that, but he's. He's a hell of a player, yeah. Yeah. The way he hits, insane. And then also, big shout out to uh, Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers. He ended up. Dave Roberts. He ended up pinch hitting David Freeze, and it was a perfect move for him because David Freeze comes up first pitch. It's a home run, dead center field. Yeah, Dodgers are now down five three, and then, like you said, they had runners on the corner. Verdugo, the yeah, Verdugo was inning. on third. Verdugo, no, also- no, 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 Verdugo was on. No, Cody, or sorry, Corey Seager was on first, and then Verdugo hit that single to center, which allowed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. No, I'm. No, I'm, I'm kidding. thinking. I was like, I'm pretty sure. No, no, no. Corey Seager was on second base, and then in the ninth inning, and then Verdugo hit that single to center, and Corey Seager was gonna go home, and then that's when he pulled up and he injured his hamstring. Oh, that's right. That's when it happened. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about the injury in a bit, but I think what screwed you guys over was Kenta Maeda. Like you said, he had always Kenta Maeda. Always. He had 60 He's, pitches in two innings. That oh is my, every, insane. Every time that Kenta Maeda is in to pitch, I just get nervous. Yeah. Immediately. I'm nervous because he's either really good or he's terrible. Yeah. And that's just, that's that's just how he is. That's not something you can have, have in the playoffs, come playoff time. Yeah, you think? Like, oh, God. It's just scary. I mean, Angels, but like, if the Angels are doing this to you, like God knows what the Astros. Are and then also, do we had you. just lost to the Diamondbacks too. So it's like, what's right. going on here? I mean, I think the Dodgers are kind of climbing back up again, but I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe they're just on their high horse and they got knocked down pretty hard, yeah. which I think is what could very well be because you know Dodgers are cocky. They know oh, we're just gonna play the Angels, whatever. And then oh, what? Like what's going on? As much as I hate to say it. This is probably going to be the highlight of our season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, Enjoy still, it. we still have two more games against the Dodgers, and that's going to be I July just... 23rd and 24th. Yeah. You, I'll definitely be at that game, at one of those games, at Dodger Stadium. Um, but, yeah, Maeda just shitted a big old brick, and then he ended with 97 pitches in four and one-third inning. Jesus. <laughs> like, okay, now let's talk to, like, the now, okay, so now let's <laughs> – that, okay, we're done. So that that's what happened. Okay, Dodgers lost five. Wait, no, 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 no. I, I still got to rub some stuff in your face. What? The Dodgers left 15 runners on base. Oh, my God. Like, I was going to say that. I thought it was 14. It was 15? It was 15 Jesus. runners on base. That's 15 runners on base. They lost five to three. Excuse me. How are we? How are the Dodgers going to do well in the playoffs, let alone try to win another World Series? Leaving 15 people. That's pretty much the reason why we didn't win the World Series last year. You guys should have put up a 10 score on the board. You guys really Definitely. Should've. I thought we were going to score 10 points, like or at least seven points. At least. I thought we were going to score seven points in the Angels. Easy. So, I mean, the first game, I think, was a little bit more competitive than the second game. Well, besides the pitching, but I mean, I'm talking about how the Angels pitched for the yeah, Dodgers. Yeah, yeah. That was because Griffin King. That was a little more competitive. Yeah. But what? I mean,. That's just unacceptable. The Dodgers are not, that's what happened last World Series. Dodgers left a bunch of people on base, and that's why Couldn't they bring them in exactly. Yep. So that's just I mean I don't know. That's just something Dave Roberts need and the coaching staff they need to get that together. Like what's going on? What's this rotation or not rotation? This lineup it needs something needs to give a little bit. I mean, and we're stacked, so there's no excuse. We, I was kind of questioning the way the lineup was like having Max Muncie hit second. I thought Max Muncie should hit fourth, and then. Corey Seager should hit second or Justin Turner should hit second. So it's like it's usually just I mean so most of the time I mean Justin Turner usually is second. Yeah, so I was I was kind of scratching my head, but I mean he maybe he was just playing around with the lineup. That's what Dave what Roberts expects. loves to do, but yeah. no, but regardless, regardless of what the lineup is, like if these are 
the one of the best. These are the best players mm-hmm. in the league mm-hmm. on one team. No excuse to not be able to hit a guy in from third, to not get a single, to right. bunt something. Jesus, get yeah. hit by the ball. Take it in the shoulder. Take one for the team. God, yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, so well, thanks. for Well, now I'm more mad because I thought it was just 14. <laughs> and you're going to be even more mad because, obviously, the Corey Seager injury. Oh, yeah. That happened. Well, I mean, yeah, that was just tragic. So, when the Dodgers are coming back in the ninth inning, I think that's what kind of halted the momentum. So, it, it honestly, it should have been 5-4 because Verdugo hit a single to center. And mm-hmm. Corey Seager definitely could have rounded third and came home to score, especially... Mike Trout's Mike Trout Mike, Mike wow. Trout's throw <laughs> Mike Trout words are hard Mike Trout's throw was offline so Corey Seager definitely would have scored but right when he got to third he like tweaked his hamstring really bad yeah and they yeah. they actually thought it was a lot worse than it should have been they brought in a pinch runner that's how bad it was yeah he was like limping and that's when everybody mm. everybody was just like oh. and that kind of halted every that kind of halted the momentum that the Dodgers had in the ninth inning because I mean the way where they were playing like they were playing like okay these are the Dodgers that are good like these are the do- these are the Dodgers they're gonna come back and win right now but then after Corey Seager like it, it looked like he pulled his hamstring too and they're yeah. showing up on the tr- on the they were saying or whatever. it was like they're saying it was like a grade two grade, grade three like that's what they strength. were speculating yeah. and they thought he was gonna be out four to six weeks because was that would have been sucked. a huge blow it would have been it would have been a big blow I mean but, but at the very end of the, at the end of the day we would have still had him for playoffs yeah so that wouldn't be that bad but yeah, he underwent, light, he underwent MRI on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and then... the think, Yeah, the results came out. He's going to be fine. He's just on the injured list for 10 days. Yeah. So it's a lot... It's not as bad as that they thought it was going to be, which is great news. Yeah. And... But it just sucks because Corey Seager was finally starting to click. Like, in the month of June, he hit 389. So he was finally getting his bat together and doing some damage he had like yeah because in may he was barely hitting three like over he was barely hitting over three i think in june itself he had like double digit extra base hits like that's how good he was playing and he was he was coming to the Corey seager that we all know to be and Mm -hmm. what the dodgers could definitely use come playoff time or come this last stretch of the regular season uh, and then on um the second game in the freeway series he was on base four times yeah. So, like, so, I mean, having that. I mean, I don't know. Does it matter that he was on base four times? Because they couldn't. Couldn't bring him in. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but, yeah, so. We'll, we'll keep you guys updated next podcast or yeah. podcast after. With now that NBA is over, we're going to be focused on. Well, the crazy thing about the NBA is you think it's over, but literally next true, week yeah, is the NBA league. draft. <laughs> no, the NBA draft is next week. That's true. So, next yeah, I guess we're not done. We're never going to be done talking about the NBA. That's, that's one thing that's I always I forget. Love. I'm like, I love NBA that is about like, the NBA. yeah, it's always your long. And then Summer League, like, we got all that stuff going on. Right. What, Summer League. And then, well, right after. Should right we just after, start looking into, like, overseas? <laughs> Should we start doing that? We we got a lot of NBA talk, but before we finish this podcast, we want to talk. We want to give a big shout out to the U.S. Women's National Team, winning thirteen to zero. That is not against Thailand. Th- against Thailand, that that's I didn't get that wrong. It is thirteen to zero, a record breaking score for the Women's World Cup. It was absolutely insane. They scored six goals in the last twenty minutes of the game. Literally six like, goals. That is insane. Now here's my thing. It's great. Like USA all the way. We want them to win, but Alex Morgan played the whole time. She scored five goals. Now at what point is it disrespectful? Here's my thing. Okay, so here's my count. Here's my theory of why. So they they kicked ass like insane. Like they were just demoralizing and embarrassing Thailand. 
I didn't think there was a need for that. Like in sports, like okay, come on, like come it's on. It's the now. World Cup, but this is literally correct. like you're representing your country. I understand. Like, no, I and I understand that, but like 13, like that's more than people score in like baseball. I don't. That's more than people score in baseball. I don't think their intentions were to disrespect Thailand at all. No, me neither. So I, it is. I think what they did was quote unquote disrespectful. But I think the reason the woman also did that is because. They're not getting as paid as the men, and so I not even paid the publicity. Exactly. I remember. I think it's gotten a lot better this year. This this season, this World Cup, it's gotten a lot better Um, because you know Nike Nike runs amazing ads, right? And though, but the the ads have like they've done a lot more. I think also with the like more popularization of social media, whatever. But anyways, I think the reason why the women's team showed out like that because it's like, oh, that's right, we're here and we're actually in the World Cup and we're gonna win. Yeah. So I think that's also a counterpoint why they did that. Well, we all know the women's team is a lot better than the way, men's team. Way better. Team. It, yeah. They make them. They could. They make the men's team look like a joke. Yeah. Whether they are the men's I team, think, the men's the men's national than, team is a joke. Honestly, I think more than pay because pay will come with the publicity is their publicity. Like they're not getting enough exposure, and that's the part that really sucks for the women's team. Definitely. And yeah, but, yeah and I think and I think it was one point where. It, the men's team was having like a friendly or was like Copa de America or something like that. And yeah, why was that on my timeline a lot? But then the World Cup wasn't as much. No, but I'm saying like that, like the men's team is getting so much more publicity than it once used to. Like soccer in general is getting a lot more exposure. And it I definitely think, has. And I think it's something that the USA needs to step up a lot because if the World Cup is coming here to the US in what is it, 2022? I yes. believe 2022. We'll, we'll we'll say it's around that. You guys can fact check me. The Olympics are coming in 2024, 2024. I believe. or 2026, and I think it's 2024 for in Paris, right, or in France. No, 2024 is going to be the World Cup, and 2026 is going to be the Olympics. Oh, I believe. Right. I could be wrong. Um, I think, but it's something. Yeah. It's within those two years span. But basically, if the World Cup is coming here, and not even a lot of people are enthusiastic about soccer, like I mean, I don't think so. I think more so now. People are more a lot right. I think now. A lot. But yeah. I still think they have a long way to go. Oh yeah, especially be, since like, soccer is probably the biggest sport in the world. It is a big. It, it sport is the biggest sport in the, sport world, in the, in the world. world, and in the U.S., it's probably like maybe fourth, fifth biggest I, sport in the U.S. And then the thing is too is that the what would have been the U.S. biggest sports: baseball and football, and basketball. basketball as well. But like baseball and football, this has been the argument. People people have stopped watching baseball and football just in general, and right. that's where the networks make the most money off of. They're not getting as many viewerships, and if they, like you said, it they they need to get soccer on there, they'll make their money back the networks will make their money back basically mm-hmm. because people it is a fact people are just aren't watching baseball and football anymore i think the i think the nfl ruined itself when they had like thursday night and monday night monday and night. sunday and yeah. then what they had saturday game now games now too that's, so like that's just the end of the season right but that's just so spread out and it's just like for what so yeah. they kind of root they kind of kick themselves in the foot and it kind of sucks because especially for soccer like i've just started like in the, maybe in the past two years recently been getting into like international soccer european soccer like i've been getting into all of that stuff and like i look back and i'm like damn dude i wish i could go to these games with their halfway <laughs> across the goddamn world and, and the stadiums and like, in the, their stadiums oh are beautiful God. yeah beautiful Insane. but like like I can't even go halfway across the world to watch a game. I want to be like, yo, I want to go to a game. And I know LAFC, LA Galaxy, like they have a great atmosphere. But it's like you're not watching the best of the best. Like if I were to go to a baseball game or a football game or a baseball or a basketball game, I mean like something Max- like that. Like I want to watch the best of the best in the world go mm-hmm. against each other. And that's why when you see like the Real Madrids, Barcelona's come yeah. to the U.S. for like a friendly match against like the MLS All Star team, like. First of all, that should say something. Like the ML, the the Major League Soccer All Star team is playing a normal team 
in in like the the Spanish league. So it's like I really want soccer to start picking up here in the U.S. Yeah. And hopefully that will that will happen. But yeah, I, I think yeah. I mean, growing up, I I tried playing soccer as a kid and I hated it just because it was too much running, so I never watched <laughs> it. But I grew up like in my family, in my, I'm Mex- like my Mexican, my, my family in Mexico, they um, grew up playing soccer and they were really into soccer. So like I grew up kind of around it, but I just never really watched it. But I did learn the sport, but it's like a great sport. Like now yeah. I'm starting to get into it. Like I would say the last four years, I've been getting a little more into it, but just like watching like World Cups and like the, the national mm-hmm. teams. And I think the World and Cup And then Galaxy. Is what, I think World Ibra- Cup is Ibrahimovic, what, big fan. Right. And I think the World Cup is what brings everyone together when it comes mm-hmm. around this time. Like you'll have the non-sport or soccer fans start becoming oh, soccer yeah. fans. Like that's what happened to me two years ago. Yeah. So... I mean, I was I always knew about soccer. I knew the game, but I was just never into it as I am with basketball, football, that type of mm-hmm. stuff. So like now, I'm actually really starting to get into it, keeping up with the transfers that are happening in Europe, all, all that stuff. So yeah. But back to our original topic: women's national team. Big shout out to them. They play Chile on Sunday. They do, and Chile in- did lose as well to Sweden. Mm-hmm. They're on, they're in the same pool. So it should be another cakewalk for the US team. Maybe will they score more than 13? Yeah. Maybe 10? I th- uh, 13's a lot. I, I don't know if they'll yeah, score. I don't know. If they'll Especially against again. Chile. They, those South American teams are always good. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see, well, but Chile's not that good. Yeah, but it's always the South American teams. Yeah. You okay. know, I think they'll put up a bit better fight than Thailand. Yeah. Well, also, I think so too cuz they I think they only are allowed two goals. Yeah, so we'll see. Sunday is the game. Um, keep you guys updated on that. But I think that's gonna do it for the end of this show. Yeah, this is a. Um, I feel like this one's gonna be really long. It is, but it was a fun episode for sure. I mean, obviously NBA finals took a long time, but oh, yeah. it was something we needed to address. Tune in next week for when. What when is the draft next week? It's next Thursday. Next so Thursday. we'll be giving our mock drafts uh, a little snippet of our mock drafts for next week. So tune into that. But yeah, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys could please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Write us a review. You know, it helps us out. Um, we're on Spotify, The Nosebleeds. So what's our social media, Brandy? It's our social media, Instagram, at The Nosebleeds. All one word. You don't got to space it. And then Twitter, it's the underscore Nosebleeds. How do you spell Nosebleeds? K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. We will see you next week. Deuces. Deuces.